You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, look who's here right now in all of his radiant glory, and he had his entourage bring him here to the front door, and here he is, Dr. History. Good morning. Oop, i got to turn your mic on. I forgot about a small little item. That entourage is a GMC pickup. <laughs> all by your lonesome. Uh, yeah, drove it myself. Yep. Hey, you know, we've talked about ladies of the West uh, the last couple of weeks, and last week you talked about, and I think it's safe in saying this, some pretty tough gals you did not want to trifle with their feelings their horses their husband their daughters uh, their cattle or their hired hands you just uh, better watch out i found a quote that i was going to use for you this morning on the program and it's from none other than annie oakley of 1860 and it goes as follows i ain't afraid to love a man I ain't afraid to shoot him either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. So I'm actually going to start, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the wagon train women today. Okay. Okay. Last week we kind of hit the the rough and tumble, shoot them up, rope them type women, and uh, they were tough. I can't even imagine being on a wagon train. Honestly, I don't think this series, TV series, Wagon Train, did justice to the hardship of traveling every day. You talk about wind over in Wyoming, sandstorms that would just literally tear apart uh, tents or canvas, any of that. So so here's... uh, A list that I have is called the Dirty Dozen of Wagon Packing, or Do Leave Home Without Them. Okay. Okay. Do leave home. Do leave home. Do leave home. Okay. Okay. Don't take them. Number one. All right. Solid oak furniture. Okay. And you hear stories. The trail was littered with furniture, furniture, oak, uh, tables, chairs, armoths, all that stuff. Number two, a sick or lame cow, because... That cow is not going to make it. It isn't even going to get out of St. Joe, Missouri. Probably not. I mean, okay, you might have fresh steaks one night, but don't take a sick cow. Yeah, really, no sick cows. Okay. Number three, a cast iron stove. You oh, know, that's a great heavy. Big, and, and takes they up tried room. to take those? Some of them did. And again, really? those were eventually dropped off. Yeah. Okay. Number four, your personal library. Uh-oh. Unless it's only two books. Zeb, you would never make it. You and I are in trouble. I've got like 10,000 books. I know. Books. You'd need several wagons just for your books. Yeah. Okay, number five, and this is for the women, hoop skirts. Okay. What? It says, just try walking behind an ox team in a hoop skirt. And I'm not exactly sure. Anyway. You, uh, you know, maybe there's less said, the better on Okay, that we'll issue. move right along. Okay. Number six, unbroken mules. Oh. Ho, ho. And you know good and well. Some unsuspecting people, they said, hey, yeah, I got these mules, and uh, yeah, okay, I'll take them. And first time they go to hook them up, wow. I you know. can't even imagine the wreck that was. Yeah, okay, number seven, 
uh, year's supply of liquor. You <laughs> may, wait, you, wait a minute. <laughs> now, I don't mind suffering with maybe an unruly mule. I don't mind suffering maybe with a great big cast iron stove. But you ain't going to empty the wagon, are you? <laughs> well, I'm just reading the list, okay? <laughs> Number eight, grain-fed horses. If you're going to grain feed horses, you're going to have to have two wagons just to carry the grain. Yeah. And horses were not as good as oxen or mules. Yeah. Okay. okay. Number nine, the family's prized pump organ. Are you in. trying? I heard this before yeah, that they tried pump. to take those. Yeah. And again, you've seen the size of those. Yeah, they're you know, huge take up. and heavy. Yeah. Okay. So number ten, actually, cotton clothes. Oh wait, wait wool, why not? Wool will keep you warmer when it's wet than cotton clothes. Well, that's just hmm. that's what they're suggesting. Okay. okay. And number eleven, uh, eleven uh, wedding dress. Uh, <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. The it's women gonna, in the audience might think that maybe somebody single going on a wagon train all my, the way to Oregon, whatever. Okay, I, I'm just reading the list. Okay. okay. All right. So, you know, really, they make sense, but in those wagons, and you told us this, I think, a week ago, there wasn't much room in no, there. No. I mean, it was essentials. And much as they loved some of their furniture and their books and their cast iron, uh, you know. How much weight did they take? You know, I'd have to go back and look. I'm thinking it was like 2,000. Uh, was it 2,000 pounds? I'd have to go back well, and look at my know. notes. I don't know. The wagons were heavy enough. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Depending on the wagon. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, we're going to talk about the women of the wagon trains. And, you know, it was a back-breaking 2,400 miles from the jumping-off spots along the Missouri uh, River to the end of the rainbow in Oregon or California. In Oregon City. I've yeah. been there many, many times. Yeah. But thousands of women traveled it. They And they walked it. A lot of them. Most of them. It's unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. And, and that was the way most of them came west. They trudged through the mud, the sand, the rocks, uh, beside their the wagons because they were overloaded. So you yeah. really couldn't ride. So rich and poor, white and black, free, slave, the women journeyed along the trails, uh, bringing, kind of imagine this, kind of a softening influence uh, to this kind of uh, rough civilization. Some of those women, women weren't that soft. <laughs> I, I know. So, in fact, here's a gal. Her name was Clara Brown. Uh-huh. She was actually a black slave who purchased her freedom in 1859. She hired on as cook to a group of gold prospectors and worked her way across the plains in a covered wagon. Wow. Now, Clara started a laundry in Colorado, and after the Civil War, she went back east to search for the relatives she hadn't seen in over half a century. Oh, my. She found 34. She brought them to Denver by steamboat and wagon, and she later uh, sponsored other trains to bring ba- black families out west. Huh. So, And that's, again, that's something you really don't see in the movies. Or no, TV. they don't show that at all. As a matter of fact, on that wagon train TV series, I don't think there was ever a Negro that was featured as right. one of the travelers. Yeah. Now, some women came west in search of adventure, uh, or like Clara Brown, a new and a better life. I mean, it just sounded great out there. Yeah. You know, they came along just to keep their families together. They accompanied their husbands, their fathers, or brothers, and again, lured by the promise of free land in California and Oregon. And in the period from 1840 to 1870, 
30 years, more than 300,000 pioneers came west. Wow. 300,000. You know, the actual walking every day, and what was a normal day, 10, 15 miles? Yeah, it just depends on the terrain. The you terrain, know? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. And their stories, actually, a good thing, were a lot of times preserved because a lot of the women actually kept diaries and journals, uh, whereas the men didn't. Yeah. So a lot of the things we know about today are from their journals. And what about the footwear? You know, I as you were saying that, I, I was trying to think of that, and I don't know what. I'm sure they started out with leather uh, shoes. Of You'd some want kind. some darn good yeah. shoes. I mean, 2,400 miles. Yeah. So, you know, but <clears throat> now think of this: to give up, I can't their, even get 10 miles out of my Justins. <laughs> you know, to give up their homes and their friends because uh, they'd been living back. Once east. they left St. Joe and they turned around and looked and waved goodbye, that really had a lot of finality yeah. to it. I mean, man, that must have been sad. Yeah. I mean, they were leaving family and friends that Forever. that they may never see again. Yeah. And crossing the plains was not an easy thing to do. Now, one of five pioneer women was actually pregnant at some point along the trail. And childbirth was not considered a sufficient reason to stop the wagon train in unfriendly countries. Babers were born and unfortunately often buried along the Oregon Trail, you know, amid the heartache, the tears. I mean, there's a lot of those little graves, unfortunately, right over by Stricker Cabin. Yeah. And, you know, and here again, the wagon trains went on. They, They couldn't stop. Let me ask you something, Doc, right there. I think it's worthy of a little discussion. They weren't a calloused or uncaring people. It's just that they had to go and be motivated by time right. and the weather. Exactly. And you had so much time to make it out west. Absolutely. You did not want to get caught in the fall. Uh, and there were other serious hazards, even for the older children. Uh, I mean, in large trains, they could get lost among the wagons, the herds of oxen and sheep. They fell out of wagons or off of trees, uh, were occasionally abducted by Indians. They were bitten by snakes. They suffered various forms of sickness, like dysentery. They were subject to the ills that have pretty much been abolished by now, like whooping cough, diphtheria, yeah. typhoid, and cholera. But can you imagine having a... A two or three year old with dysentery, with just sick and. Oh my goodness. And, I can't imagine the disease, the sickness, and you mentioned one other thing that I don't think is highlighted enough. Uh, the little kids, you know, walking by a sagebrush bitten by rattlesnakes right. or whatever. Exactly. I mean, there must have been a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many hazards that took place just to make it out here, right. let alone once they, once they got out yeah. here. So, now, some women came west in prairie schooners, the Conestoga wagons, so familiar with movies and TV. But in the later years, actually, a few came out in well-sprung, horse-drawn carriages, <laughs> nice ones. But most, most of them rode in the simple wagons. Or they walked. Yes, uh, like those used on the farms back east. Yeah. They just converted them into a covered wagon. But they were lighter in weight and well-built. Uh, they had seasoned hardwood. Now, the flatboards that formed the high sides oftentimes were planed for more than one reason. Uh, because at the journey's end, they could be dismantled and the wood used to build a lean-to for a temporary home. Yeah. So they tore their wagons apart to use the wood. And unfortunately, sometimes the wood was also used to make coffins for the less fortunate that right. uh, died along the way. Right. 
And then uh, during the height of the cholera years, the trail became really a graveyard from end to end, uh, marked with crosses I read from a book. end to end. I read a book someplace or a story about the Oregon Trail that said today uh, we have no idea. We might be standing upon multiple grave sites. Yes, that have long since been uh, forgotten yeah, about. Yeah. On the Oregon Trail, unmarked. Yeah. Yeah. Caller, good morning. You're on the air quickly. Good morning, Doc, and, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about the handcart company is they were only allowed 17 pounds uh, to go in that cart, and the women thought they could outsmart them, so they put several low layers of their clothing on so they could take it with them, and so these various dresses and everything are strung along the way because... They soon found out that was not a good idea. All right. Well, thank you. We'll have uh, Doc comment on that. Thank you. Go ahead, Doc, please. Okay, thank you. Bye. Well, once again, you start out with good intentions of everything you're going to take on the trip. Can you imagine and, a lady wearing, like, three dresses? Uh, yeah. that I'm thinking a day or two, and you're done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Now, attack by hostile Indians or raiders and threat of bad weather oftentimes made the burials a, a hasty affair, right. uh, and uh, the graves were shallow. They didn't yeah. have time to dig them. And when possible, the women insisted that the graves be covered or lined with flat stones to keep out hungry wolves yeah. and coyotes, yeah. as well as grave robbers who might actually disturb the dead to try to get rings or, or jewelry. Oh, this is sick. We have another call. Evidently, we've struck a nerve this morning. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, we went on the good old cutoff on a wagon train. And at uh, Les Brody's place, west of Cary, there is a child that was bit by a snake, and it's right on her tombstone. Oh, uh, and that's over by Cary, you said? West of Cary, yes. Okay. Doc, thank you very much for your call. God bless you, man. I'll have Dr. History talk about that. That uh, amplifies what you were talking yeah, just a moment exactly. ago. exactly. And, and I think a lot of times they did not have time to make a head stone or anything yeah you know they just had to bury him and go so you know and, and uh, i think americans are a very caring and loving people overall can you imagine what that did to the families to have to all of a sudden just walk and roll away from that grave and again knowing that they would never, never be able to come back, come back to that to that little grave yeah. that uh, or a husband or a wife yeah you know not yeah. just kids now <clears throat> the duties along the trail were pretty much clearly defined. Men were responsible for maintaining the, the animals in the wagons and for hunting, fishing, standing guard. Now, in addition to cooking, sewing, cleaning, and doctoring, the women also drove the wagons and a lot of times harnessed the teams. Uh, and now, there were other jobs, uh, the rate, of course, the raising of the children. They kept the circle of the family intact. They preserved the social order, and under the most primitive of conditions, they set the example for their own basic values. Did they? I have a question here for you. Uh, morning, start off what time? Sunup? I'm guessing before sunup, they, they started uh, making fires and getting their Dutch ovens cooking. And okay, getting... but now, did they or did they not? I've heard two conflicting stories on this. They did not take a break for lunch at noon. They didn't want to stop. Is that correct? That's my understanding. But they did stop at about 4 in the afternoon, prepare an evening meal, which was basically probably the biggest meal of yeah, the day. Yeah, that's pretty much my understanding. Okay. You, if you, once you're rolling, you're not going to stop for lunch, yeah. really. Now, Indian attack, which was dreaded by the immigrants, uh, 
of the fictional Westerns was for the actual immigrants a relatively small fear when compared to disease and illness, actually. Uh, Natural causes took far more lives than were ever lost to the hostile Indians, except for a few tragic incidents when lives were taken by both sides. Uh, most contact with the Indians actually proved helpful during the many years of the immigration. Uh, now, picture this. Deb, not every farmer or tradesman immediately became a proficient hunter or frontiersman. I'm glad I didn't have to rely on my shooting to survive. <laughs> you know, I'd be about so, 100 pounds lighter. Okay, so not every guy with his family was great at shooting deer yeah, or no elk or anyway. So the women of the wagon trains actually traded calico shirts to the Indians and for their assistance in river crossings or for fish and game when their husbands couldn't provide it. Really? And, you know, that's one thing we don't hear a lot about. The Indians helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, lost people, sick people, time after time. You know, but, you know, in addition to acting as midwives, women were usually the unofficial physicians and they treated everything from cuts to colic, snake bite to cholera, cholera, cholera. (laughs) You did it, not me. Anyway, they were they were the guardians of the precious stores of medicines and remedies that include willow bark. Now, willow bark actually is is. a substance that's used in uh, aspirin. You made a point a minute ago. Did you ever stop to think about in history, Indians and the Indian children, they were running out in the sagebrush, playing out in the sagebrush. Did they have a quasi-effective way of treating snake bite? You know what? The Indians had a lot of medicinal herbs and poultices and things like that. And uh, I probably ought to do a show on I'd the like Indian, to know about that. I- the Indian really medicine. Would. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll see what I can find. But you know, like I say, they had willow bark. They had something called poke root, which to bring down fever and reduce pain. Sulfur and molasses was the standard cure uh, for chills and nausea. They actually collected spider webs and used them to stop bleeding from wounds and cuts. Spider no, webs. Spider webs. Yeah. And they used bread mold for poultices to fight infection. Now. Bread mold has what? Penicillin. Penicillin. Then. And this is 100 years before the discovery of penicillin. Holy okay? But they moly. knew that it helped. Yeah. Now they used the essential uh, whiskey and laudanum. I knew there was a reason <laughs> that we shouldn't have left that in St. Joe. <laughs> Medicinal purposes only. Yes. Uh, anyway, that was a derivative of opium. And to help with severe pain, opium for some uh, conditions. Now, malaria, which was endemic in the pioneer stages uh, east of the Missouri was known. They called it the ague or shaking sickness. And quinine was the standard remedy. And again, these are all things that the women brought with them. Peppermint oil was the standard treatment for an upset stomach. Oil of clove. or Peppermint oil? Yeah. That doesn't make me want to smile. (laughs) Well, and peppermint oil, uh, like say, then oil of clove or wintergreen for toothache. Chamomile tea. That's the other thing I wanted to ask about. Boy, tooth problems. What yeah. do they do? Just knock them out. <laughs> I, I'll do a show on dentistry one of these days. Oh, Jeff. I can't that'll, wait. That'll, you know how scared I am of dentists. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll open your eyes on that okay. one. But uh, now, um, a wise mother always took along a supply of citric acid to prevent scurvy, vitamin C. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, wise mother. Why did they stop at the Seven Eleven and buy some oranges? <laughs> yeah, uh, lemons. But you know, wise mother also took along, like they say, the citric acid. There was no cure except time for one complaint that struck many at the journey start. What? Seasickness. Sea sickness. <laughs> okay, now, okay. Now picture this, Ed. Uh You're traveling inside the swaying covered wagon, maybe during bad weather, and after a few days, you're going back and yeah, forth. Wait a minute. You don't paint a very good picture here. It's bothering me already. <laughs> <laughs> but after a few days or weeks, they got their sea legs, really? so to speak. I'd never thought of that. I me mean, neither. You know, you're in a wagon for yeah. heaven's sakes. Uh, anyway, a, there's a book called The Immig- Immigrant's Guide to Oregon in California, and it provided a list of necessities for housewives. So here's what it is. In addition to powder, lead, and shot for the rifles, the guide recommended 200 pounds of flour, 150 pounds of bacon, a meager 10 pounds of coffee, 10 pounds of sugar, 10 pounds of salt, assorted foodstuffs, including chipped beef, rice, dried beans, and peas, tea, dried fruits, baking soda, vinegar, mustard, and tallow, and as, as you said about the evening meal, food was plain, but it was wholesome, and, you know, it kept them going for all those it must have. weeks, you know. Wow. So I, I know we're getting We're so it. spoiled. We are. We are. You know, we're no Wal- Walmarts, Kmarts. I was waiting for you to invite me to lunch, but you'll never pay. So. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, and here's another thing. Fashion wasn't a concern a lot of the women made the crossing in the clothes upon their backs, while those more fortunate had actually one or maybe two changes of clothes. Oh, my. Goodness. One comment uh, illustrates the average sad state of the women's clothes. After some time on the trail, a gal by the name of Rebecca Ketchum, who traveled with the wagon train, reported that her dress was dirty and torn in 20 places, but added that she didn't care as she looked no worse than any other woman. One set of clothes. And these are tough gals. They are. Yeah. But, you know, after the hard crossing, these women who survived set out to rebuild their lives in these new surroundings. They. Uh, i got to go here pretty quick. I know it. Bring in the best of civilization, civilization to, the, to the West, and, and they succeeded. Wow. A tribute to their stamina, their courage. They were tough. And even when they got they here, sometimes tough. they'd be in a cabin two or three miles from another cabin. Yeah. Wolves, Indians, I mean... They yeah. they kept a gun. Goober, handy. I'm sorry for everything I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, great. Do that. Uh, some more stories on the medicine. Yeah, I'll and see if I can find that on the uh, Indian yeah. the Indian medicine. Yeah.